this day of, of Advent, what we're talking about is the gift of joy that we receive by Jesus Christ's birth. All right? um, and then I read in Philippians 4, and Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And it's kind of funny that, um, you know, especially at, at this time of the year, why does Paul have to command us or remind us to rejoice? When all that we've received from Jesus Christ, all that you and I have, have, have received from him as a gift, why does Paul have to remind us to rejoice? We, we're real forgetful. And in my case, I'm really, really forgetful. I'm <laughs> grateful, it's true. And it, and it happens too that, that we forget sometimes what's going on around us. You know, we get caught up in our circumstances and we're worried and concerned about this thing that's going on. We're caught up in our, in our fears or uh, we're caught up in the things that are going on in our lives and we have worries and concerns. Do we have enough money? Do I have enough, you know, how is my health? How are my children? My children are doing well and this thing and that. And pretty soon if we're not careful, we can lose and forget the joy that we're supposed to have as believers. Are you with me? Uh, but we are supposed to have joy as believers, and a matter of fact, it's supposed to be like nobody else uh, we're, that we're supposed to have. Can I skip down? Jason, can we go ahead and skip down to the quote there from um, uh, that's the joy is the surest sign? Pull this from a, uh, from a, a study. Pierre uh, Taylor de Chardin, I'm sure that's French and I'm sure I butchered it, um, is a Christian thinker and theologian, but no, note what he said. Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. That a beautiful quote. Joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. The Westminster Confession of Faith uh, uh, is, is in agreement with that idea. It says basically the bottom line is, is what it says is that grimness is not a Christian virtue, right? Grimness is not a Christian virtue. There are no sad saints. Um, if God really is the center of your life and being, then joy is inevitable. Um, if we have no joy, then we have missed the heart of the gospel. But listen, it is, it is easy for us sometimes to misplace the gift of joy. It's easy for us to, to forget and to wander off and to, real, and, to, and to forget that, wait a minute, all the things that the Lord has done for me, uh, all the things that he's done, all he's done for us, especially that we celebrate this week, all of those things we have great joy over. So let's start in Luke chapter 2, if you would please. We're going to read verses 8 through 12. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. We've been back in this passage here for a couple of weeks, but I want to remind you of it again because it's just so rich about what's happening here. Um, if you would read along. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find him. Uh, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. All right, that's all we're going to read this week. We've been reading through that a little bit, but there are a couple of things that I wanted to point out to you. First of all, anytime we see an angel appearing to someone in the Scriptures, or almost every time, or anytime we see a, 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 a pre-incarnate Christ appearing to someone in the Scriptures, People's response is always, yeah, you would think it'd be pretty exciting, but apparently it's a little too exciting, you know what I mean? Uh, they're always cowering at their, uh, bowing down and cowering because they were terrified. Um, and maybe this is because of the way they look. Maybe they're just intimidating looking creatures. I'm sure they are. But maybe the other thing, I was reading a little bit about what Spurgeon wrote about these verses. Charles Spurgeon, he's British, Kathy likes to point out, right? Yes, yeah, that's right, two thumbs up from Kathy for Charles Spurgeon. 
Spurgeon likes, said this, that, uh, that, that the Jews at this time had this, this idea that, or, or, uh, that uh, if a person saw a heavenly creature that he would be killed. And of course some of that is from Old Testament teachings that if you saw God, you could not live through it. That, that would be the end of you. And the reason is, is that we're so sinful. When we see something that's holy, when we see a heavenly creature, then it's death for us, right? That was kind of, kind of the idea there that, that Spurgeon was saying. But anyway, um, but the, the incredible thing about this is that the, what the angels told them, they said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Um, and here's the deal. The coming of this child that we celebrate this week would put an end to this terror before God. Before this time, you remember when God moved and he was on the mountain, he told them, don't approach the mountain or what? You'll die. And when, there, when God was there on the mountain speaking to Moses, there was smoke and, and, and billowing. And, and when he appeared to them, it was fire and, 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 and a column of, of smoke. There was an unapproachableness to God because of his holiness and his set-apartness and our very uh, bad black sinfulness. There was a very big distinction, a very big gap between us and God because of our great sin and his great perfect holiness. But this child would change all of that. In fact, everyone who came to follow this child when he became a man and taught his teachings would no longer be in fear, but they would live in great joy. Amen. They would live in great joy. Their sin, God would put away. uh, And instead of them thinking of God's only in terms of his holiness, Jesus would teach them later when he grew up. He said, when you pray, say this, our Father in heaven. No one before that time had talked to God like that. He was too holy, too set apart. But not only is he holy and set apart, he is a loving Father who desires to reconcile and, and, and bridge the gap between us and him, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, yeah, good news that will cause great joy for all people. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, but anyway, I wanted to remind you, I want to talk today about four reasons why we have so much joy. And of course, you know, I could talk to you about the joy of the coming of Christ and we could talk about it until we all pass from this life. But today we're just going to talk about four because, uh, you know, we only get about 30 minutes together. So anyway, here's the first one, is that Jesus Christ bridged the gap between God and us. <clears throat> Sin had separated us <clears throat> <clears throat> I'm really sorry. Sin had separate. Everyone has this this time of year. Yeah, would you, you know, just my drink right there, babe, would be fine. Or, I'm sorry, Brenda. Right there by my chair. Yeah. Thank you. Sin had separated us from God. Thank you. Brent, I drink from a sippy cup still. I apologize for that, but I, it's better if I have a lid. And still, I'm so good at it sometimes that I, when we're at the table and I'm drinking with my cup with a lid, I'll spill Jessica's drink. She sits next to me, me and Brenda. <clears throat> but anyway, um, okay, um, here's the deal is that sin had, sin had separated us from God. But the good thing, the amazing thing about Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ coming is that there's, there's this beautiful picture about the incarnation. Is that God in one being combined divinity and humanity in this mysterious and magnificent child, this baby, Jesus Christ. Paul would talk about a mediator later, and I'll read you a verse here about it in a moment. But sometimes to mediate, sometimes you have two parties that represent the two parties. You have two individuals that come together to mediate the differences between two parties, right? And the, the, the differences between us and God is that we tread on his authority. We sinned against him. He had something against us, and we had nothing against him, right? 
And sometimes to, to bring two parties together, they both send a representative and they sit down and they talk to bring reconciliation. But in Jesus Christ, him being perfectly God and perfectly man, he in one body brought reconciliation and bridged the gap that existed between us and God. And so listen, before this time, people could not approach God. There was fear and terror in his presence because people could not live through it because of their sin. And it's hard for you and I to get in our culture today. But when you, if you and I were Jewish in those days before Jesus Christ and we came to the temple to offer sacrifices, we could never approach the Holy of Holies. There would always be a separation between us. We could never get in and see him. We could never really approach his throne because of our own sin being so dark and so black and it excluded us from his presence. Through Jesus Christ, that's been done away with. And the writer of Hebrews says, not only can we approach the throne of God, but we can approach it with what? Boldness, confidence, amazing. This work that Jesus Christ has done, that he's bridged the gap that separated us from God. And so on this side of the cross, we have access to our Father. And for thousands of years, nobody had it. For thousands of years, no one could get there. For thousands of the years, their own sin was like a wall barricading God off from them, and they could never really approach him. It was always through someone else. They always had to go through a priest. They always had to go through a prophet. They always had to hear from God for a prophet or go and offer their sacrifices through someone else. But through the mediator, Jesus Christ, he bridged the gap. He, he, he opened the way that we could have access to our creator, our maker. Amazing, amazing thing. Great joy for us. Great joy for us. First Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. When God looks upon us, and here's the amazing thing, when God looks upon us, he sees his son. And he remembers that his son stood in our place and he took our punishment uh, for us and, and, and bore our sins for us and we don't bear them anymore. And we can stand before him in his presence with confidence and boldness. Not because we're so great, but because we have such a great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so the first thing, Jesus Christ bridged the gap between us and God. But the second thing is that Jesus Christ fulfilled the promises of God. I tell you what, I've been doing a lot of study about the prophecies of the Old Testament about Jesus, and there are hundreds of them, literally. And some of them in incredibly excruciating detail about, what, about how Jesus would live or how he died. And it's really just amazing. But some of the prophecies, he would be born of a virgin. He would be of the king of uh, the tribe of Judah. He would be King David's seed. He would be born in Bethlehem. He would be a prophet. He would be a prophet like Moses. He would teach with parables. He would be preceded by a messenger. Uh, he would enter Jerusalem on a colt. He would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. He would be uh, killed, and his hands and his feet would be pierced. About, a, uh, about uh, what was that, about 700 years before, no, about 1,000 years before crucifixion was even thought of, before anyone had even thought of it. He would be a prophet like Moses. He would be offered like Isaac was. He would, be, uh, he would fulfill the sacrificial system. Uh, he would be like the temple, but only perfect. He would be like the tabernacle. He would be the place, he would be the place where all people could come and worship and be in the presence of God, and he fulfilled all. All of those things and about a couple of hundred more. Just incredible. Jesus Christ fulfilled perfectly 
all that was said about the Messiah's first coming. Of course, they didn't understand it at the time. They thought the first and second coming were going to happen all together. Uh, but he came uh, and fulfilled all that was said about him uh, in just an amazing, amazing, uh, amazing detail. Notice what the angel says. He says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. All right, and, and here's the amazing thing is that all of those hundreds of prophecies of the Old Testament, the angel comes to them and he says, it's been fulfilled. All the things that have been promised and he's pronouncing it, it's happened. It's happening tonight. And he tells a bunch of shepherds out in the field, notice it wasn't the Pharisees, it wasn't the highly educated, it wasn't the people who knew God, who thought they knew God best. It was a bunch of laborers in the field, a bunch of shepherds uh, who God came and spoke to, but he told them, it's happened tonight. This is the time. This is the, the, the prophesied Christ, the Messiah, who you've been anticipating for, for a thousand years. He's here. He's come this evening. And here's the, the great thing about it. You can see with incredible detail how Jesus Christ has fulfilled the prophecies of himself in the Old Testament. And here's the amazing thing. <clears throat> Just as surely as he fulfilled the prophecies through his first coming, he will fulfill the prophecies of his second coming. Amen? Um, Clay and I were talking a little bit yesterday. The word faith, we don't, have a really, we don't really use it very well here. It's not very clear in our culture compared to what it was in the Scripture. The word faith is not a blind faith. It's not that I believe in something just because I believe in it. It's I believe in something because it's proven worthy of my trust, right? Uh, and so we look to God and we see that all that he's done in fulfilling the first coming of Jesus Christ, and it gives us faith in him that he'll fulfill the rest of the prophecies of his son, Jesus Christ, right? All those things that people misinterpreted in the first coming and said, no, he's supposed to be a ruling, conquering king. Well, he's going to be a ruling, conquering king. Amen? He came first to deal with their sins and second to rule and to judge. Uh, but anyway, so here the first thing is, is, is this just amazing thing that he fulfilled all those prophecies and he reminds us that God does what God says. Amen? Isaiah chapter 46 says this, Isaiah 46 verses 9 through 11 says this, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God, then there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey from a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. Listen to what he says. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. All right. He's talking there, it's a very specific uh, verse here about the, the rise of a king who would come and, uh, and, and interfere with the, with the nation of Israel. But, but the amazing thing is, I, I, what I've said, that will I will bring about. What I've planned, that will I do. It's incredible if I were to stand here and try to tell you and explain how is it that God brought about his plan to bring salvation to mankind. It was through the rising and falling of kingdoms. He would raise a king uh, named David who, who would be a foreshadowing, would be a king like him. He would raise a, a prophet or a leader named Moses who would see God face to face and, and there would be another prophet who would know God face to face and he would come as Jesus Christ. Through the offering of, of Isaac where, where they went up on the mountain and, and God provided a sacrifice there uh, to save a son and he has saved us, his sons, through the sacrifice of the lamb 
that he's provided. Just incredible. And over and over and over again, in almost all the books of the Old Testament, there was this foreshadowing, foretelling that it's coming, and it's, he's coming. This God is going to bring his salvation, and he's coming. Uh, and sure enough, he came, and Jesus will come again. He will be faithful to complete the work. Here's the, the incredible thing just for me and you. The, you know, the, the, the scripture tells us that the work that he began in us, he'll, he'll, he'll complete it. He will complete the work he began in us. We are, God is redeeming and bringing salvation to you. And we've not fully, uh, we, we've not fully experienced it yet, but one day he's going to complete it all. We're going to know what it is to be really completely reconciled and to have complete peace, shalom with God. And we'll see him face to face. Amazing, incredible, and beautiful. And we'll live with him in paradise. It's coming. You know how I know? Because he came the first time 2,000 years ago. And it is certain. It's easy in this life to forget and to doubt and to wonder, isn't it? You, you, I'm sure you've wondered. I've wondered. Really, you know, you, you read the people of the New Testament and you can see they expected Christ to return in their lifetime. And every generation of believers has expected Jesus Christ to come back in their lifetime. True? But he hasn't come back yet again. He hasn't come for a second time. And it makes us doubt and it makes us wonder. But just as surely as he came, as he promised the first time, he's coming again. Amen? We can be certain of it because he came the first time, just like God said. And he carried out plans with intricate detail. And he raised nations and rulers and then did crazy things through crazy people, uh, through prostitutes, through you know everyone else to bring about the, the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. Just incredible. Ponder that for a little while about all that God did just to bring about the son of his, the, 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 the coming of his son, Jesus Christ, and the detail that he, that he gave it. It's just an amazing to think. Okay, we're going to move on. So the first couple things. Uh, we remember that uh, Jesus Christ bridged the gap between us and God and that Jesus Christ uh, fulfilled the promises of God. And then this third thing is that Jesus Christ came as Savior. Look what it says. Uh, in verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. All right. Now, Jesus Christ could have come the first time as conquering king. He could have come with thunderbolts in his hand and bringing punishment to the enemies of Israel and really to all the enemies of God, which was really the entire world, right? He could have come with judgment. He could have come with, with, uh, with punishment for all of us, but he didn't. He came first as Savior. He came with grace and mercy in his hands. He came with forgiveness, you know. There's this, such a stark contrast in the scriptures, uh, uh, especially in Matthew and John. There's this stark contrast between the Pharisees and Jesus, where the Pharisees were so hard and so difficult and so burdensome to people that said, you have to fulfill the law to be pleasing to God. And Jesus Christ came and said, the God who finds you in your sin offers you forgiveness. An incredible difference, this incredible contrast between the harshness and the, the hollow religion of the Pharisees and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Incredible, amazing Savior. And in fact, it was so different from how the Pharisees acted, most of them didn't believe in him. They said, you're not from God because you don't do and teach and treat people the way we do. You must not be from God. Now, they didn't even recognize him. What an incredible contrast, what an incredible thing. But he came as Savior. He didn't come to judge and punish, but he came to seek and save that which was lost, you and me. Amen? Uh, he did not come in might and power, but he came mighty to save and able to cover over all of our sins. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. All right. Because here's the deal. He could have come in power. 
He could have come and brought punishment. And you and I would have deserved it. Amen? But in his grace and his mercy and in God's character, a loving devotion toward you and me, he came as a savior first. Amen? All right. Okay, the last thing is this, is that Jesus Christ is the Lord. The word in verse 11 for Lord, today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. The, the, the word there in, in Greek is kurios. Uh, he is, the, which means Lord, and, and here we would, we would translate to mean Jehovah or, or God. He is the Lord. He is the one. He is, the, the term there is to express Jesus Christ's deity, that he is the divine one, that he is truly God. And, and if we doubt it, then you can also see in verse 9 uh, that, that the same word kurios is used to describe the Lord, and it's certainly talking about God the Father there. But the amazing thing is, is that our Savior, Jesus Christ, is God. He is Jehovah. He is the Almighty. He is the One. Uh, and it is indisputable. And, and here's the reason why this is so important. Because you and I know people, and you and I have friends who believe other things about Jesus Christ than he was God, right? Some people will say that Jesus Christ was just a good man or a good teacher. We cannot look at what he taught about himself and walk away thinking, well, he was just a good teacher, right? Because what he taught about himself one time in an, inter in an exchange with the Pharisees, he told them, Abraham was glad to see my day. And they said, what? You're not even 50 years old. And, you, and Abraham saw you, and he said, I tell you, before Abraham was... I am very clearly, very explicitly like God described his name to Moses through the verbs. He says, who shall I say sent me? And he said, you tell them, I am sent you. And, God, and Jesus said, I am, before Abraham was, I am in expressing who he was. He very plainly, and they picked up rocks to stone him after that because they knew what he was saying. He said, I had a beginning, I had no beginning. I existed before Abraham does. Who exists before Abraham? God alone. Amen? And he would say over and over again, very plainly in teaching about himself, that he is God. Amen? That he is God. It's an incredible thing. This is why it's so important. There are other religions that would teach that Jesus is a God. There are other religions that would teach that Jesus was an angel, that he was just a man or a prophet. But here's the deal. If Jesus was anything but God, then he was a liar. Because he claimed to be God. Now listen, what ransom could he have paid if he had sin to pay for himself? If Jesus was a liar, he could not pay the ransom for your sin and my sin. Right? It could not happen. There was only one being on, on, in all of the universe. There was only one who could pay the penalty for the, our sin. And it was God himself. If you had put that on an angel, if you had put that, that, uh, the punishment and the redemption for us on any other shoulders, they would not have carried it. There was only one set of shoulders in the universe who could have carried the punishment of our sins upon himself. And that is God himself had to come. He had to come in the flesh of man to save man's flesh. Amen? It is he. He is the Lord. He is the one. It was prophesied in the Old Testament and nobody got it. Not a single soul in the New Testament understood what was happening. He would not be just like David. He would be like David in, in, his, in, in his rule and in his reign and in his leadership. But he would be like God in nature and character. Amen? Amen. This is important stuff. And let me tell you how important this is. This is the crux of the matter between what is true Orthodox Christianity and everything else, right? Is right here. 
Who is Jesus Christ? He is either God and he was able to carry out uh, the redemption, our redemption and salvation by taking sin on himself, or he was somebody else and he was a liar, lunatic or Lord, you know the story, uh, the argument. Uh, he was either that, he was either, he was either God and he really carried down our sin, or he was not God and he had no ability to carry out the, uh, the, the punishment of our sin, to carry it on himself. Uh, there is no other uh, excuse, there's no other option. He was either God or he was something else and we're still lost in our sin. Well, the good news is he is Kurios. He is the Lord. He is the one who rules. He would be called in, in Revelation, he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we can worship him as so. Amen? Amen. All right. Okay, so here you go. Let me, let me wrap up with this. The God who made you and the one that you offended, the one that you didn't care about treading on his authority when before you and I came to Christ and we didn't care how we lived, that same God came in the flesh on this day that we celebrate on December 25th. He didn't come on that day, but we celebrate on, June, on December 25th. That same God, the one that you offended, the one that created you, he came to pay for your sins. He came as Savior. He came as the Lord. He came with mercy and goodness and love and forgiveness for all of us. Amen? And if you have learned this and if you have come to follow him and if, Lord is, if the Lord has opened your eyes to see all of this, then you will never pay the punishment for your sin and you can have access to him now and forever, for always. Amen? It is that plain. In this one incredible, beautiful being, and in this great contradiction that we have this all-powerful God in a helpless baby, and that one magnificent being, we can see God reconciling mankind to himself. It is a beautiful, wonderful thing and gives us great joy. Amen? Do you know the great joy of, of knowing God? Do you know the great joy of knowing what it is that he came incarnate, that he came in the flesh? Do you know that great joy? I, I know you've got a thousand things going on. I know you're busy. I, I know you struggle with health. I know you struggle with your children. I know you struggle with your finances. But we need to pause and remember. We need to, we need to bow at, at, at the foot of our Savior. We need to bow at the manger sometimes and remember the wonder of it all. God did what he said he would do. He brought salvation through this tiny baby that was born 2,000 years ago. And we can know him. And we can have reconciliation with God because he's bridged the gap that separated us from him. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Gets me a little choked up, but I'll, uh, I'll pray and we'll dismiss instead. How about that? Would you stand with me and we'll pray together? And we'll be dismissed. And I won't see you again probably until after Christmas. But y'all have a great time. Listen, if you are not used to, if you don't read the scriptures much with your family, um, this is a great Christmas to start. Amen? Rip open. Okay, not rip. Turn in your Bible carefully to Luke chapter 2. Just read Luke chapter 2 together. Just read the story and the account. And just as a family, just wonder. Just sit in awe and wonder about all that God's done on our behalf that he sent this great mediator, this great reconciler to us so that we might have forgiveness and we might be reconciled to God. Amen? I pray to give you great joy. All right, Father, we, uh, we come to you this morning. And Father, we're just in wonder. We can't even grasp all that you did to carry out your plan to bring Jesus Christ into this, into this world the first time. 
uh, all of your prophecies, all the ways that you spoke through, through your prophets, the way that you spoke through people, the way that you worked through circumstances, through the offering of, of Isaac and all those things that we look back on and, and just wonder about how you carried it all out. Just incredible power and shows your, your amazing sovereignty. But Father, we, as much as we wonder about your sovereignty, we worship you, Lord God, for your goodness toward us. Your, your love for us is, is deep, and, and it's deeper than we can fathom. It's, 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 it's wider than we can understand. We need your help, Lord, just to capture it all. And so, our, Father, I pray that you would give us, as Paul prayed, that you would give us your spirit of wisdom and revelation, that we might know you, that we might understand what you've done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just want to, as, 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 you, as you teach us, as you show us those things, Lord, just give it us an attitude of worship and, and awe and wonder at all that you've done on our behalf. The, the wonder of your great grace and your great love for us, Lord God, that you would go through the, the trouble to, uh, to send your son, that you'd go through the pain and the heartache of, of him being, being uh, 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 um, uh, crucified, of him uh, suffering a humiliating death on our behalf. That, that he would grow up helpless and, and come to us as a helpless child. Lord, it just it boggles our mind. We, we can't even apprehend it all, Lord God. But Lord, we pray for your help. Just help us catch glimpses of it so that we may be in wonder of all that you've done and may worship you as we should. Lord God, I pray this Christmas we'll be filled with your, your joy. We'll be filled with the joy of your coming that we might rejoice in it, Lord God, we pray. It's in your, this, the name of your great son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. Amen.